This episode of the Stock Market Movers podcast is brought to you by Calamero St. Heliers. The last trading day of the year for us is Christmas Eve and we're closing down for the holiday break. So make sure you head down for a pizza because you know what goes good with the end of the year? Pizza does. It is Friday the 20th of December 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 70 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder, nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Boom. It's the last episode of the year. Actually, it's the last episode of the decade. Although that is slightly misleading as I only started the podcast just over a year ago. So here we go. I promised in the last episode that I would have a big CEO interview before the end of the year. And a couple of you messaged me saying it is push pay and you were right, although I I did kind of give it away. So in this episode, I'm interviewing Bruce Gordon, the second CEO of Pushpay. Pushpay, as you know, trades on the NZX and the ASX under the ticker code of PPH. Normally at this stage of the episode, I would introduce the person and their background, but Bruce does a pretty good job of doing so himself. So instead of that, we'll, we'll pick up the interview from where it started. So I'm on the phone with Bruce Gordon, the CEO of Pushpay. I'm in Auckland and, and you're in Seattle. How's the weather over there, Bruce? Uh, good morning, Jeremy. Uh, surprisingly mild uh, for this time of year. So uh, I'm waiting for the crunch that everybody's promising me. So uh, I guess that comes the, around Christmas, right? The, the crunch as in the big winter the or how does it go? Yeah, yeah the, the, the grey and the, and the rain, the famous rain. But no, it's been an extremely mild uh, fall, uh, which has been really, really welcome given I'm quite new to town. Fantastic. Um, and so you've been the CEO of, of Pushpay since around the middle of this year. Can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself and, and your background? Uh, sure. Uh, so a little bit of a payments and electronic banking background uh, with, uh, with ASB and BNZ, which your listeners would obviously be very familiar with. Uh, and my involvement with Pushpay uh, commenced in 2011 uh, a couple of months after the co-founders, Elliot Crowther and Chris Heasler, uh, decided to start a company, uh, Elliot actually worked for me in a company at the time and approached me uh, with this idea that said, hey, yeah, we can buy music on our mobile phone within 10 seconds, but we can't pay a bill or buy a second cup of coffee. And so that intrigued me, given my payments background, uh, and I thought, yep, okay, yeah, I was involved in, in helping to mainstream FPOS back in the, the late 90s and develop the likes of internet uh, uh, payments for BNZ. Uh, it seemed very logical that you know, this next half generation of entrepreneurs would be looking to, to leverage the mobile phone in our pocket. So the question became, uh, how, do we, how do we do that and, and who do we do that for? Uh, and our conversation turned to the opportunity within the U.S. faith sector, given that uh, a lot of high-growth scale churches uh, supported by uh, younger attendees or digital native attendees not carrying cash or check and, and therefore unable to express their generosity. And so the idea for Pushpay was born in that first couple of months of exploring that value proposition. Uh, and essentially, our goal was to uh, remove the, the, the friction in the, in the giving experience for people using mobile phones, which back in 2011, 2012, was, uh, was quite innovative uh, early thinking. Uh, so look, I, I just volunteered my time um, over the course of the next couple of years and helped uh, Chris as, uh, as CEO 
uh, to to stand the business up. Uh, and then in uh, August 2014, uh, having attracted the backing of the Hewlett family uh, and their extended network in Auckland uh, to help us scale the opportunity, we decided to list the company on the NZX, uh, NZAX at the time, uh, and uh, my relationship was formalised uh, with Pushpay for the first time. I was invited to become the chairman. I spent five years as the chairman supporting Chris and the management team and the board. Uh, and then uh, sort of towards, uh, as you said, the mid-2019, Chris had signalled a little while earlier that, that he wanted to step back from the operational duties after eight years as CEO. Uh, and the board uh, asked me if I was interested in stepping in uh, to progress our, our next stage, you know, having now pushed past $100 million of recurring giving or recurring revenue, um, how do we uh, mature as an organization, look for some operating leverage and, and pursue our strategic goals of widening our product set? And so I like a challenge and uh, I saw the opportunity to uh, come and support the team here on our next, our next stage, if you will. So back into I'll, I'll go back to 2011 when Chris and Elliot approached you. I mean, back then, this is obviously a company with no revenue, and I guess there would have been lots of people with the idea to sort of go, I guess, cashless or, or and, and, and all that sort of thing. What, what attracted you to, I guess, those two entrepreneurs to, to make you get involved? Because, as I said, there would have been a lot of, sort of that at the time and there would have been no real revenue or anything like that but there must have been something that pushed you to get involved sure so so elliot worked for me at the time uh, and uh, and was was you know our leading salesperson in that organization um and just just great values you know great focus um and having then met chris Heesler subsequent um it just seemed to me that the two two young entrepreneurs uh, with a good idea, uh, you know, removing friction from the giving, uh, looking for a market, help them to to define that market uh, once we, you know, so we're introduced to the US faith sector. Um, and it just seemed to me a venture that had the potential of scalability uh, and we were able to attract, you know, some really good engineers uh, to help us get the initial product stood up. Elliot would uh, literally get on a plane fly to California, and we were winning churches. Um, and then when the Hewlett's uh, came on board with some funding and some uh, some support from a, you know, from a, a strategic point of view, it felt like we, we had, we had you know, momentum to create something rather special. So, um, so hopefully that gives you a bit of a feel. So back in the early days, was it sort of like a stereotypical startup where they would sort of just doing everything themselves and, and attempting to sort of figure everything out as, as they go, was it? With Elliot flying around doing the sales and everything like that? Or was it more, did you sort of see it getting big straight away? No, I think that once we alighted on the faith market as a good opportunity, uh, one, yep. of the, one of the key conversations that Chris Heslip and I had uh, from the outset was actually there was so much opportunity uh, we could solve all sorts of problems because the faith industry had largely been uh, underserved relative to, to modern software solutions um, for a variety of reasons. So if anything, once we 
once we focused on uh, you know our our vertical our, our sector um, we we had we faced a new challenge which was hey we could we could solve a whole bunch of problems and we we as a business started to to get distracted we started to jump around on on the hot tin roof and we had mm-hmm. a very defining moment which chris and i talked about which which essentially is the it's described as the the fox and the hedgehog and uh, we were becoming the fox where we were reactive and we were jumping around every conversation that was had with the church they were they were talking about a felt need and it may have been a new one and so we were starting to to dilute our focus and and Chris and I had the conversation to say, actually, we want to be the hedgehog. We want to be narrowly focused um, on you know, the giving opportunity uh, because we think that's the greatest impact for the church because giving is, is their revenue. And so you know, that was the, the thing that could have the greatest impact on the churches uh, and therefore lead to um, a willingness to, to take a premium product for a premium price, uh, which was always our goal. So... I think initially we we started to get a little distracted, and then um, through some some commercial discipline, we said, "Let's go you know, iron the prize, be singularly focused," um, and, and that was that's been part of our success criteria. Um, building out, uh, you know, unique value proposition within the giving, and then onto the engagement and custom app that we deliver today, and now we're getting demand from our mid market, in particular to go broader with the product and go and solve some of those uh, problems or opportunities highlighted 2011, 2012, we're now actually solving those uh, and, and most you know, specifically uh, through an acquisition uh, completed last Friday New Zealand time. Mm. Before we get into that, it's probably worth perhaps talking about that church market in the United States that you, that you mentioned because I guess a lot of, I guess, New Zealanders and Australians' perspective on Push Bay, and I have to, I have to put myself into that camp, was initially, how because we don't have any, the same perspective in New Zealand, how can church payments be a, a significant thing? Oh, sure. Because we don't have the same, I guess, infrastructure and number of churches in New Zealand. And I think a lot of people may have initially dismissed Push Bay because of that view and, and I'm sure some people still hold that view so are you able to talk talk about the market a bit in the United States yeah love to um, and it's such a great it's such a great uh, question because uh, it is a completely different um, proposition uh, religion in the United States is very central uh, to to an estimated 50 percent of Americans lives and and it's I think it's different in Australasia I think that you know if you're a person of faith, you know, it's, it's part of an overall, uh, you know, it's part of your life, uh, if you will. But in the U.S., it's very central to communities uh, and engagement and, uh, and everything that they do um, within, you know, their week. So it is very different. It's a very large market. Uh, it's frankly a huge market. There's approximately $123 billion dollars of annual giving uh, to religious organizations, uh, uh, which is a stunning number. The US faith sector is made up of, of over 340,000 churches. And of these you know, 314,000 estimated uh, evangelical or Protestant uh, churches where we have uh, predominantly focused uh, our efforts to date. Uh, and we're starting to now see um, some early adopters in the Catholic faith uh, coming to push pay as well. 
So as I mentioned, you know, approximately half of the US population come to church on a weekly basis and identify uh, with their church as part of their, uh, their community. Uh, and giving is seen more as a way of life here, um, not only in church, but just it's innate in the culture. Is that sort of being society sort of thing? Is that what you mean? Yeah, and you think about it, you know, when we when we as Kiwis come to the US, you know, the tipping culture is, is a little bit, you know, a little bit jarring, a little bit, you know, how much should I give and when do I give? Well, it's second nature here um, because it's it's cultural. Um, and so when it comes to contributing uh, generosity to a church, it's very central to, to what they do. Um, and so people are generous. And, and what we see with... Um, Push pay is, uh, you know, as people move from off what we term offline giving, that the likes of being checks predominantly, uh, to digital giving, uh, their generosity increases, both in terms of their average gift uh, and also the frequency uh, or recurring nature of the giving because it's convenience. Um, but it's seen really as being just part of a community. It's not something over and above. And I guess that's the other difference between say Australasia like you mentioned and the United States is that a lot of people in, in New Zealand might just go oh, why wouldn't you just do a bank transfer and my understanding is that's not as easy in the United States am I right a lot of it's still done through checks and cash that's correct yeah cash and checks still make up an estimated 80 percent of the payments uh, given to religious organizations uh, and that's that's just legacy and tradition so uh, what we found and what we really tapped into was 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 the digital natives who 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 are youth who are young or uh, utilizing their mobile uh, in their pocket uh, for all all their other activities in life be it uber be it you know doordash um, through you know spotify um, they're actually you know we think that we're you know they're essentially struggling to to rationalize why they can use mobile and mobile payments throughout their week very naturally and then they get to church and there's there's a requirement for them to, to bring a check or write a check. It, it's very it's very jarring for them. So um, so by presenting um, essentially this this mobile giving on the handset through the church app and we provide a custom application for every church. So we've attracted seven thousand nine hundred and five churches on our on our platform uh, as at the end of the first half of this financial year, every one of those churches is offering a customized or is given a customized uh, app to communicate with their participants. So the value proposition has rapidly grown beyond just giving. It's also, if you, if you think of it this way, it's also, it's also an opportunity for the church to, to basically provide the social media uh, platform between them and their uh, church attendee. And so people are finding out about events, they're being invited to activity uh, activities, um, they're, being, they're able to you know, um, pledge towards specific campaigns that, that they feel a passion for, uh, and to, to look through their, their push pay application, branded the church, um, to see how they're going against that pledge. And, and what we do now is we just start to embed uh, the giving opportunities in context to sharing with people, uh, you know, recognition and thank you for previous giving, showing them short videos on um, on the causes that they care about, 
and what we know is is when when you have that level of of uh, connection and interaction, uh, it, it frankly enables further giving and further generosity, um, which obviously helps the church to grow and it helps Pushpay to grow as well. Fantastic. So you're obviously a company that's gone from, I guess, an immaterial amount of revenue five years ago to nearly 100 million US now. I mean, are you able to talk more to the listeners about the Pushpay business model and, and how you make money and I guess where you see it going from there? Sure, thank you. Um, so we have two forms, two main forms of, of, of income as push pay or revenue. Uh, the first is subscription fees. So each of our churches uh, is signed up on a package. If you're a small uh, and smaller medium church, um, there's there's packages um, that, that you subscribe to that have specific features available. Uh, and if you're a, a larger church, uh, our, our software fees are bespoke to your size and your needs. But, but loosely speaking, the software fees um, link to the number of attendees on, on a regular basis through your church. Um, so software fees make up about 30% of our revenue, uh, roughly. And then we have a double stack of revenue uh, through the fact that we developed and invested to build our own payments platform. And so what this means is um, all of the digital giving uh, that is originating as donations from the churchgoer to the church actually gets uh, passed through Pushpay, and we organise uh, for the authorisation and uh, give the give the uh, banking instructions. So whether it's charged to a credit card or charge card or, or your bank account, um, it's going through Pushpay. And this is a major difference between the US market and New Zealand. In New Zealand, um, vastly proportionately uh, the merchant services for point of sale, for example, uh, or, or mobile point of sale uh, is via the bank. And so the bank actually had a, a lockdown on this and a, a, a monopoly over this um, until very, very recently. Um, in the US, um, you can uh, create a company called an ISO that um, essentially manages uh, that merchant authorization and the payments processing uh, and and attract the um, the processing fee attached to it. So in real terms, you know, when you check into a hotel and they might say there's a two and a half or three percent additional merchant fee for your credit card, um, that is essentially the, uh, the the additional fee that we get to charge as well. Has there ever been, and I, I was curious about this, any, I'm not sure if backlash is the right word, but from some of the punters using the app, realising that they're paying more to use the app as opposed to what they would if they wrote a cheque or gave cash? No, because um, the, you know, essentially there's costs associated uh, with clearing cheques, cash and, and uh, digital payments, regardless of who the, the service provider is. So, so you know, in that sense, um, uh, there's no, whether it's being paid to Pushpay, it's being paid to you know, somebody else, Bank of America, it doesn't matter. You know? So okay. if anything, you know, through scale and volume, uh, we offer a very competitive pricing for the church. Um, so no, um, it, it's, you know, it's an accepted thing. Uh, we built a feature some years ago where the church is actually able to give the donor um, the ability to add uh, the, the merchant uh, clearing fees in addition to 
the gift. So if they want to keep the church whole, they're able to uh, to click or tick a button button to do that. Um, and some churches do that, others don't. So it's just a cost of business. You know, a church is a business like any other. Um, so there's been no um, there's no adverse reaction to that. Yeah, um, and I guess you mentioned before that the the churches like it because they receive more consistent and recurring payments. Is that right? That's absolutely true. And so we've built now, uh, in fact, our fall release uh, last month is focused very much on uh, what we call the, the donor journey. And we've now got enough data and, and enough um, uh, history uh, that we're able to present to churches who are in our premium package via data insights specific to their church information uh, that they can act on. And so they're able to get, gain insights uh, in terms of uh, key donors uh, by persona. And so an example of this would be somebody, uh, a group of, say it's a group of, of churchgoers who uh, have, have given their first gift. Uh, so they're new, first donor, first gift. The ch our churches are now able to identify who they are because we've got their mobile number to send them a, a specific tailored uh, gratitude message from the executive pastor or, or whoever is appropriate, the church decides. Uh, and essentially, we are giving the church um, information or coaching around you know, what is an effective way uh, to engage with, with that first donor with a view to, to helping them on their journey to continue uh, to move to, say, being a second time giver. And we, and we essentially have this, this uh, defined and trademarked uh, giver donor journey, which, uh, which essentially moves you through from uh, first time, second time giver through to a regular giver and ultimately to becoming a recurring giver. And for the church, um, yeah, a recurring giver is, uh, yeah, is, is, your, is your highest engaged uh, participant in the community uh, and and from their perspective, you know, they can budget and um, and know that with good likelihood that 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 revenue is um, going to to come in on an ongoing basis. So um, so that's really the goal. Um, it's to allow the donor to feel more engaged and and connected, uh, connecting and belonging being one of our values, uh, and uh, and for the church to. Uh, ensure that you know, they're serving the customer really well. Yeah, I just thought of something then. Does, does Pushpay generate a, a sort of float where, I guess, the the donations are received up front and they're, and they're paid out later at all? Is, is, is that no. part of the business model or is it more instantaneous? Yeah, no, um, thanks for the question. Um, this was something Chris and I talked about, again, at the, at the inception of the business. No, we elected not to um, for transparency. Uh, and also, we um, uh, we decided at the outset, uh, and it was a very good decision, I think, to um, to actually not handle the money. And so, what we managed uh, is actually the payment instruction. And it sounds like a really you know pedantic point, but but what it means is um, effectively we've sidestepped all of the uh, anti-money laundering uh, oh, <laughs> complexity to follow, right? Um, and what it means is that people are getting their money. Uh, as soon as the, the bank or the credit company is releasing it. So we don't delay payment. It's part of our value proposition to churches. 
as soon as the money is available, it is it is given directly between uh, between the example being directly from the bank to the church um, as real time as it is done in the US. Yeah, fantastic. So I guess we should move on to maybe some more recent updates in terms of results and everything, because I guess until recently, Pushpay has sort of got to where it is on the back of money that's been put into the company, but you're now at the stage where you're profitable and, and cash flow positive, is that right? That's correct, yeah. We reached cash flow break even last December, and in our first half financial results for FY20 uh, just released, uh, we we're really pleased to see continued solid revenue growth. Uh, our revenue continued to grow in the first half of this uh, current financial year by 30%. Uh, in addition to that, you know, cash flow break even uh, and moving to profitability this financial year. So um, in addition to that, you know, we continue to deliver very strong gross margins, um, which is greater than 63%, and that's across the software fees and the payments processing fees, so that's world class. Um, and as a team, we've really focused uh, since June on our uh, on our operating expenditure, uh, with a view to repurposing uh, spend into the right place for the right return on investment. And I think we've done a really nice job of that, um, and it really is a case of narrowing our focus uh, around the things that are working the best uh, and impacting you know, our, our church customers positively. Uh, and, and the net result of all of that is is we're we're experiencing higher uh, operating revenue. Um, so our EBITDA result was nine point six million dollars US dollars for the six months to thirtieth September. So bearing in mind we're cash flow break even in December last year, and for the first half of this financial year from first of April, uh, turning in an EBITDA of nine point six million um, represented a really strong performance. So. What that allows us to do is uh, we're very cash generative as a business um, and we've been building up the cash balance, which in turn has uh, positioned us well for our M&A strategy to expand our, our product offer. So the, I guess the way operating leverage is going to work for you is that the, a lot of that revenue growth now that you're at this point will just flow straight to cash flow, am I right? Yeah, I think I think largely, yeah, that's true. That that um, yeah, we're in a we're in a great position where um, we invested in our infrastructure and quality uh, very early on. Um, some would say insanely early, uh, and and we're we're now in a position where we're somewhat infinitely scalable. So a couple of examples of that: you know, we run our business on Salesforce, and we implemented that when we were, you know frankly, really small to be thinking Salesforce, but we always saw the opportunity for scalability. Another example is we ported all our uh, hosting to uh, AWS, and, uh, and of course, with that comes you know, world-class security. On our payments platform, uh, we focus on bank security, uh, PCI, and other forms of, of world-class um, security. Uh, good focus on privacy right now, which is obviously very topical. Um, so all of that leads us to uh, the ability to uh, essentially, you know, as we grow revenues, uh, it's, it, we're looking to you know, maintain our investment and our cost base flat through FY21, and that leads to the operating 
uh, that leads directly to the operating leverage that you're talking about. Yeah. I always say to people that the two metrics that I would look at when analyzing push pay would be, and I know you put a few on your on, in your reports, but the ones to really focus on is average revenue per customer and total customers. Is, would, would, you, would you add any others to that? Because those, those, those seem to be the two key metrics for me. I think they're very important metrics, uh, for sure. Uh, obviously, revenue overall um, course, and yeah. margin. Yeah. Uh, that's the key one. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's a good way to look at the business. And with average revenue per customer, I think, grown at 20% I read, it's obviously grown a lot faster than total customers. I mean, it, it can't grow at 20% per annum forever, but how long of the runway of average revenue per customer growth do you think you have in terms of, at some point, I guess it's going to slow down to sort of more GDP-type levels as you get market share? Uh, it's not something we provide guidance on, but uh, but I think we would say that there's still there's still scope to continue to grow um, RPIC. Uh, it's through a combination of innovation, so we continue to invest in um, in feature set and and move uh, our customers from from historic packages where they bought in and there was a low, lower level of, of of service you know product available. Now that we've got ever in, ever increasing and rich product sets, it becomes um, possible to to move customers proactively into a higher product set. Um, and obviously with, with giving growing as well, the shift from the offline checks that we talked about uh, to giving uh, obviously increases uh, our ability there as well. So uh, a good example of that is, is I think, fairly well um, uh, accepted in the market that that non-push pay churches average out at somewhere around 15% of their of their giving received might be via a digital uh, offer. Typically, it's a it's a traditional church management system provider, and, and requiring the customer to go to their website uh, and click on the button uh, and enter their details or set up a recurring through the desktop. So it's not as flexible or as convenient as the as the mobile platform that we focused on from the start. Our churches today uh, enjoy a penetration of um, probably north of forty percent, and, uh, and and generally speaking, you know, we see them continuing to grow uh, that that crossover from offline to online digital giving, which which in turn you know scales our business further. Yeah. So. I guess this is a, a nice little pivot point into the, the big news from the other day, which is a reasonably, well, not a reasonably, a, a material acquisition. Um, are you able to talk, and I've had a quick look at the website and everything like that. Am I right in saying it's sort of an, an attendance and communication management software for churches? Is that right? Yeah, I Exactly what it is. It's described as a church management system or CHMS. Um, think of it as a CRM for churches. Uh, and so the needs of the church are very specific. And an industry has been built up over the last 20, 30 years in the US, again, reflecting the scale of this market, um, that, that are companies that essentially uh, specialize in delivering the, the modules or the feature set um, that that churches require or need uh, to run their churches, and the interesting thing is, you know, 
there's, there's probably two or three mega churches that would use Salesforce, but they end up mm. doing a tremendous amount of customization. The rest of the market are buying uh, these these uh, CHMS market providers. Um, modules, for example, just to put some color on this for you, bring it to life. They're really unique feature set like um, a child chicken registration system. So if you think about it, bringing your children to, to church on a Sunday, say Sunday morning, and, and in the modern world needing to, to register, ensure that they're going with the right people, ensuring they're being picked up by the right caregivers is tremendously important. And so this is a very uh, specific uh, application of software which links through to ticketing and scanning and all those things. So that's what a CHMS does all the way through to you know, events registration, which may be via a website. If it's a more modern platform, it may be an events registration through a mobile app. Um, and so that's you volunteering to run the car park or expressing an interest uh, in attending a Sunday picnic or, or joining a, a woman's group on a, on a Friday night um, to play badminton. They're all unique. Our platforms are developed in a way that, that they are fully configurable and tailorable. Um, and where Pushpay has established its leadership position in giving and donor management, there is this horizontal or wider requirement from the church to, to work with, over time, work with one preferred vendor of all software to the church. So it's their backend CHMS and pushpad giving, which is the custom app participation with the church goer with the embedded giving opportunities um, through through our UX design of the of the software or the app. So does that give you a feel? Um, for us, uh, it's a demand-led strategy. Uh, we have mid-market customers and mid-market prospective customers who are saying, we love Pushpay product, we love Pushpay service, uh, we really only want to deal with one vendor. And if you can provide mm. us with a bundled solution with tight integration for the information to flow between, um, then you know, we're keen to see that at a, at a good competitive price. Uh, so for us, you know, we set about six months ago to uh, to acquire uh, for speed to market uh, to take take time to build out a feature set of this this type would take many years, um, and instead we'd rather have our our investment uh, dollars going on continuing to build out our our competitive advantage or our moat around giving and uh, engagement. Uh, so we we look to market to acquire. A uh, very short list of scale, quality, full feature set, large customer base, you know, great management, uh, some mutual customers with Pushpay today, which is which is great from a you know, retention perspective, uh, and ideally um, a provider that has a, a strong match to our focus into the large and medium church space, because obviously that's where a lot of the value is. Um, and ideally, some modernity in their platform, um, certainly cloud-based, uh, which not all CHMS providers are, believe it or not. Um, so our number one preferred strategic acquisition uh, was Church Community Builder over in Colorado Springs. Um, and I was very pleased to announce on Friday New Zealand time uh, last week uh, the acquisition of 100% of the shares of Church Community Builder uh, to sit alongside Pushpay and over time. 
uh, will drive the integration and bundling of our product solutions for customers that want that. And then the individual products will remain available uh, for customers who want what is described as point-to-point -point solutions uh, if they're using somebody else. Right. So I guess, to be honest, it sounds like something that is right in your wheelhouse. Do you think, because you're obviously part of what you're acquiring is a, is a customer base, and I assume a, a lead base for, for push pay as well, right? Do you think that will that the acquisition will help fuel sales for push pay in terms of new customers? Yes, there's three uh, key opportunities here. And just very briefly, um, uh, Church Community Builder have over 4,000 churches today. Of, of those 4,000 churches, uh, about 1,200, just, just north of 1,200 churches are what I describe as mutual customers. So these are customers that are using Church Community Builder for, for CHMS and, uh, and use Pushpay for giving and, and engagement uh, solutions. So those customers, um, we can continue to enrich uh, their, their experience um, and retain them uh, from a, you know, through a tighter integration, offer mm -hmm. them larger packages and so on, as I said earlier. Uh, the next group is essentially uh, Pushpay customers that are not church community builder customers today and the ability to, uh, to offer those customers a one-stop shop uh, is highly appealing. Uh, and then um, the inverse is true, where church community customers, church community builder customers who are not today a push pay uh, giving uh, customer, uh, we can market to those customers uh, through church community builder and over time look to attract them to push pay. Uh, and then there's really front book as well, which is you know, a bundled product unique in the market. Nobody else um, can do this. Uh, certainly not with the, the scale and, and quality of the of the providers and the product set, uh, looking to win new customers who who just want the one stop shop and the one one provider. So very exciting. Community church builder at the moment makes money from subscription. Is that right? I see from the website. Yeah. So um, just above ninety percent of their revenues uh, through through the subscription model. Um, and uh, they have some professional services where uh, they, they, they'll charge customers for assisting them with implementation because their, their systems right. are more complex. Think about the back end of a business. Um, and also they earn, today they earn a clip of the ticket on giving that is going through Church Community Builder, um, but they have not built out the full payments platform that Pushpay specializes in, and therefore um, they don't enjoy the same sort of margins. Yeah. In, term, in terms of revenue, I asked a, a friend of mine what questions he would like me to ask, and the question he said was, how much revenue is Community Church Builder generating? Are you able to talk to that, or is it not possible at the moment? It, it gets a little bit um, it gets a little bit irrelevant in a sense, if you forgive me, and I say that in the context of uh, our, our, our ambition is to, or our plan is to uh, combine our businesses, uh, and therefore, as a, as a publicly listed company, uh, we will be uh, presenting the market with our uh, FY21 numbers in a combined way. So so looking to the historic of Church Community Builder um, becomes a little um, uh, a little disorienting because, you know, for example, in the giving side, um, that revenue 
uh, will substitute into push pay and you can't double count it. So, so our experience is it's better to give the market sort of clean numbers uh, when we have that view uh, for FY21, which is not too far away. What I can do is sort of share um, a hist- you know, sort of a broad range. Historically, church community builder revenues have been somewhere between sort of the 15 and $20 million range. So, mm. so, you know, so somewhere in that mix is, is where uh, is the baseline for our combined businesses going forward. And that's, that's before any synergies or benefits that you mentioned before. I was interested to see as well that um, when I first saw the headline for the deal, I assumed at $87 million, $87.5 million US dollars, that you would be issuing stock. It was, it was actually a bit of a surprise to me that you'd be taking on debt to do it. Was, was issuing stock a sort of consideration or was it, are you at the stage now where it's, it's more about keeping the share count pretty stable? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of factors here, Jeremy. So, um, so the first is uh, originally we were talking to Chris Fowler, who's the 100% shareholder of Church Community Builder, and now on the board of, of Pushpay Holdings Limited. We were initially talking to him about a mix of uh, of cash and and Pushpay stock, um, and and he was very comfortable with that, and it shows great commitment to Pushpay. Uh, and then what what emerged was there was an opportunity for Chris Fowler to uh, purchase that stock from Chris Heaslip as the outgoing or the former CEO, um, and and to do that as an as an off market trade, um, and that achieves a couple of things. So that helps Chris Heaslip out a little bit. So he's been subject to escrow, and and essentially by allowing that um, that off market trade, Chris Fowler agreed to. Uh, to his stock being in lockup as he would have uh, if we had issued script. So the yep. company company sees his commitment of him buying push pay shares in a substantial amount at 15 million US dollars. It's subject to escrow that both agreed to do that to both their sets of shares. Um, both Chris's are still subject to escrow respectively. Um, so tick, tick. And from our perspective, when that was floated, um, it became attractive in, a, in addition to those those points uh, because it meant we didn't need to dilute existing shareholders. Um, yeah. yeah, and so a combination of the cash build that we've been able to achieve over the course of this this um, calendar year um, and uh, and some debt is actually you know probably more efficient uh, use of our balance sheet in some ways. Fantastic. So in terms of I guess outlook. And I, of course, you can talk to the outlook, but I'd be particularly interested in, in terms of, I guess, capital allocation now, especially now that you're going to be, sounds like generating quite a lot of cash. I mean, is it, is it a continuation of the, I guess, acquisitive strategy, or is it, or is it something that maybe will shareholders could expect a dividend in the future, or what? What's your sort of views there? Definitely, the the, the best use of. Uh, shareholders funds is is through innovation and growth uh, within our market and uh, yeah. and so we our intention is to continue to invest in in product uh, and customer experience uh, because that is leading to very high growth as, as you've seen so um, so we're on you know so that's the focus um, from a cost-based perspective or capital allocation 
uh, my view is through FY21, we'll pretty much hold, I think we'll hold the um, the cost base across both our respective businesses, Pushpay and Church Community Builder, flat uh, to what mm. to what they have been this financial year with the ability to repurpose people, specifically headcount, uh, on integration and product bundling uh, and product innovation uh, in both church, in church systems and also in, in our giving and donor platforms. Um, and I think we've demonstrated the market over the last six months our ability to do that successfully. So, so we know we know you know where we need to focus. In the case of Church Community Builder, they were naturally investing through R and D over the last twelve months to build out the likes of a um, a donor platform uh, to compete with the likes of Pushpay and others. Um, that work, of course, can get now repurposed, and those those developers will focus on integration and, and, and enhancing CHMS solutions. So there's no additional capital uh, required. We can hold it flat uh, and work on growing our revenues through the leverage of, of the combination of the two businesses. In terms of push pay uh, outlook specifically for FY20, so through to April next year or 31st of March next year, uh, we reiterated our guidance last week unchanged. So we're, we're traveling well as push pay. This transaction doesn't materially affect us um, with the with the exception of the transaction costs involved, obviously. So so our operating revenue, uh, we're giving market guidance of between $121.0 million and $124.0 million. Our gross margin remained over 63%. Uh, we've given EBITDAF guidance of 230 to $25.0 million US dollars, um, excluding the transaction costs. And, and importantly, our, our total processing volume, and this is another key value driver that you mentioned earlier, our total processing volume uh, this year will be between $4.8 billion US dollars and $5.0 billion across the country. Can you just quickly define total processing volume for the listener? Yep, this is the total amount of giving uh, that will go across the, the PushPay platform. So this is the total amount of donations or giving that we will manage across PushPay. So $4.8 to $5.0 billion of giving uh, for which we then earn our merchant fee that we talked about earlier. And you said earlier that the total market for giving is 120 billion. Did you say? It's north of, of the amount of giving that goes on. Yes, correct. It's north of 120 billion per annum. So at five billion, we think there's plenty of headroom still to go. Yes, yeah, so you're looking at near enough to five percent of the total market there. I've got I've got another question in terms of, um, I guess, the wider macro economy. I mean, is, is, does that impact push pay in any way? Is, is Donald Trump a, a good thing for you in the United States? I'd be interested <laughs> to hear your views on on maybe sort of some of the... Because I imagine it does impact giving in, in, in some way in terms of the wider economy. We, it, um, it's always hard to say, right? Because, um, yeah, there's so many factors at play. But the economy here in the US is, is very good. Uh, I think it's fair to say, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's the one thing that they all agree on here politically is actually the economy is um, really strong. Um, that obviously plays well for generosity because when I feel like I'm doing well, uh, I'm going to give um, that little bit extra. So I think that's a positive tailwind. Um, 
that said, um, equally in a in a downturn, the the feedback I get from church leaders is actually we do okay in a downturn as well because people concentrate uh, on their local community. They stop worrying about the wider world quite so much, and and by connecting through church and being involved locally, um, then you know there's a there's an increase in attendance often, um, and that leads to overall. Uh, increase in giving, but you know these are very broad statements mm. uh, in a very very large market. Uh, what we did see towards the the last week of December last year uh, was a um, an, for the first time in seven six or seven years uh, actually a, a, a lighter giving week, uh, which which is a critical week in the in the calendar for churches. Um, it's the high, it's the peak of giving, if you will. Um, towards Christmas and post-Christmas uh, window, and it links to the uh, December tax year end uh, right. for for givers, and uh, and and uh, a couple of um, commentators uh, have attributed that to uh, a, a ripple effect, um, an echo of some tax changes that the Trump administration put in place previously that essentially impacted um, last year that is not expected to be a factor in this year. So, um, so yeah, so we're, we're hopeful and grateful for, um, for a, a good giving season uh, through December. Fantastic, so it's a busy time right now. What about in terms of if we fast forward, I guess it's a double barrel question, fast forward 10 years into the future, I mean, you've been at Pushpay nearly 10 years now, where would you like to see it in I guess the distant future, sort of ten years' time. Sure. So, and so I guess our, the second part of that question is, you know, Coca-Cola once got into the shrimp production business, I believe. So, is there anything that shareholders should look out for as signs that maybe you've gone down the wrong path potentially in in, in the future? Looking at it now, I uh, would ha- have to hope that um, that the board never goes down the wrong path in that regard. Um, I don't think shrimp production will be in our future anytime soon. Um, but to look, look our, our future goal, uh, frankly, we set ourselves um, the goal to become the number one preferred partner of church software in the US faith market. And, um, and we've been doing a nice job. The team is an amazing team, doing a great job in, uh, in our vertical of the giving and engagement software and services. Um, our acquisition of Church Community Builder uh, significantly accelerates us to that leadership position. So I think we're poised exactly where, where we want to be uh, mm. in terms of rounding out a full service and quality offer to the US faith market. And, and, and you know, it's an overused term, but, but essentially the potential of a game changer for the church, for efficiency and world-class solutions in a market that... that CHMS is perhaps a lower standard of, of service, for example, than, than Pushpay is established within the giving side of things. Um, so I think we're poised really well in terms of our, our strategic uh, outlook. Our long-term goal is, is to target 50% of medium and large church uh, segments. And, and we've shared with the market that that could represent uh, an opportunity of, 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 say, 1 billion US dollars in annual revenue. To get there... Um, and, and sitting alongside that $1 billion of annual revenue you know, is a goal to reach $10 billion 
of annualized total processing volume. So, so we're hitting between 4.8 and 5.0 billion this year. It, it's very, um, it's very achievable in my opinion uh, for us to have a medium-term goal of, of growing the processing side of our business to $10 billion. Um, so, uh, you know, the, to, to reach a billion in giving um, requires us to continue to acquire and build out services to the U.S. faith sector. Um, there are adjacencies within the U.S. faith sector or special to, uh, specialist point-to-point -point solutions um, that that exist today, and there are, they will be of interest to to push pay in, in the future. Um, examples of that might be, you know, the likes of um, there's, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of specialist um, functions that that exist in the scale market. Um, so it might be something like um, uh, projection software, um, mm. you know, because our largest customer, for example. Uh, hosts 40,000 church attendees per week uh, with across their um, across their churches, and so you know each church event is is a is a scale production, you know, and and so that has to be supported. Um, there's music streaming in the Christian space, music uh, lyrics, um, royalty management, those sorts of of, of uh, what are described as white spaces um, become very logical. Um, in addition to that, uh, yeah, there's things like like um, missions software that help a church to actually raise funds for a specific mission and also manage that mission. So say it, say it, you know, people um, doing good work in um, in other territories um, or looking to grow or seed a church somewhere or build a school or something of that nature. So there's quite a few um, adjacencies that, that we can um, expand into uh, within the US faith sector itself. There's the potential in the future for geographical expansion. Uh, for that's Christian what I was going to ask Yeah, yeah. I was going to so, ask um, my partner, for example, she's Brazilian. And I think she's a member of a church that's got like a million members or something crazy like that. There you go. So um, definitely geographical opportunity, um, which, which the board will consider in the future at the right time. Um, and then I think there's there's a third sort of leg to this, which is without jumping the shark, um, there's some adjacencies in the form of the likes of not-for-profit or, or education market sectors that have affiliation with Christian giving. Um, so it's it's solving a, a, a different value proposition, but it's not so far removed from what we do for the for the faith market um, that it becomes a, a, a reckless um, diversion. Yeah. Okay, so I understand that we're sort of running running through the time here. So I guess I just want to ask one lighthearted question for you. There's big news in the NZX the other day with the A2 Milk CEO resigning <laughs> and citing big travel concerns. And I have to note that you're in Seattle and Pushpay's got an operation in, in New Zealand. Are, are you dealing with the travel okay? Uh, yeah, I, I like the variety, and uh, I love to uh, spend time with the team. So, um, so yeah, we have we have we have a team here in, in uh, Redmond. Uh, we have the the team in Auckland. The combination of our amazing product and engineering teams, our finance team, and our investor relations team, um, and also uh, now we have the team uh, over in Colorado Springs as well. Um, so, 
Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> you get used to it, and um, yeah, and technology is amazing, right? So the fact that we're doing this call remote, um, we, we do, you know, lion's share of our work is done over the digital platforms, including board meetings, you know, with people traveling around the world inevitably. So that's helping tremendously as well. But no, I don't mind it. It, it gives you time to reflect and think and plan uh, as you move between the markets. And um, it's always invigorating to spend time with the teams. And it's super invigorating uh, when I'm in those locations, particularly here in the US, um, uh, taking the opportunity to get out and meet customers while we're there as well. So yeah, that's where the rubber hits the road. Fantastic. Well, I've run out of questions, Bruce. Is there anything you'd like to finish off with? No, well, other than to say um, thank you for the opportunity um, and uh, to thank all of our, our many uh, supporters and investors um, because you know, we couldn't do any of this without your continued support. So I uh, just want to thank, thank the market and to, um, and to thank you for putting this together. No, absolutely. And I extend the same thanks to you and your team. Our pleasure. Have a great afternoon. Cheers, Cheers. Thanks very much. Right, so that brings us to the end of the conversation. Thanks very much for Bruce. Um, I guess as a CEO that's just made a pretty big acquisition, time is precious at the moment, so it's much appreciated that you can take the the time to chat for me, chat to me for, for over an hour, and I'm, I'm sure all the listeners and, and people listening in really enjoyed it, as, as did I, the, the conversation. Um, thanks again for, for listening to the podcast. As a reminder that nothing that we said was financial advice. Um, find out more about Pushpay by going to pushpay.com and the, the podcast by going to stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like on Facebook. Um, email me, jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once in a blue moon, I actually check that email address and I will get back to you. Um, once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this has been episode, episode 70 of the Stock Market Movers podcast and the last episode of the decade for Friday the 20th of December 2019. We won't see you next week, but we'll see you next year. See you later.